Thank you. Thank you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to see everybody here this morning. What a joy to be together. I'm, I hope that after this service today, you will extend the, the very brief introductions that you had with one another in our McCullough room. If you leave this service today, you can take a, you can take a right out of the sanctuary and go to the McCullough room for our 3C connections, coffee and cookie time. That's a time for us just to gather in fellowship, to meet, to know one another, to grow as a community of faith. And we hope that you'll get together and know one another through those conversations. That's a big part of what we want to do here on a Sunday morning. I will ask if you're a parent with kids downstairs, you go pick them up first and then come up to the triple C, to the, to the it's actually C cubed now that I think about the sign, uh, for that time together. But we want you to come and be a part of that fellowship. You know, it kind of makes me think about what's been going on this weekend. I'm going to tell you, I had a great weekend this weekend. I hope you did. And the reason I said that the reason, the reason I said that I had a great weekend this weekend is because all of my college football teams won. It was awesome. And so I want to say, say thank you if your team did not win this weekend for making it possible for those who did win to have this one unique sort of weekend because that doesn't usually happen. I'm looking at the schedule of some of my teams and I know this will be the last time that that happens. But what was really cool about this weekend was not, it was not just the games. The games were great. It was fun watching the players. It was fun watching the coaches. But what was really fun were just the fan shots and the shots of the full stadium. And whether it was in College Station or Austin or Norman or Columbia or Athens or wherever it was, to watch these teams and to watch their fans, to watch these, these, these great groups from Tuscaloosa to Columbus coming together to celebrate, to, to stand as whatever nation it was that they claim allegiance to, to come together, to, to sing, to cheer, to get excited and say, we're together, we're here this is something fun. This is something extraordinary. And we're glad to be a part of it. Oh, that we would have that kind of feeling on Sunday morning. That we would come together and say, man, I don't want to miss this. I've got season tickets. You know what I think we're going to do? We're going to start charging you $500 a Sunday. And make sure that you, that, that'll make sure that you're here. We'll also institute tailgating outside and things like that. But the point is... There's something powerful when that, uh, uh, that happens when that group, when those massive groups get together. And there's something powerful that happens when God's people get together on Sunday morning. Because we're not just here to learn. We're not here just to watch the game. We're also here to stand up together and say we are the people of God. And that is important, especially as we consider the series that we've been in for the last few weeks. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been introducing a new series on the book of Acts, and it's based on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And again, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And the title of this new series is Witness. And we've been asking the question, what does it mean to be a witness of Jesus Christ? Well, today we're going to turn to a passage where we see that part of the witness of the church, part of the witness of the disciples of Jesus Christ is to come together as a community of faith. 
So if you would, please turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You can read it on the screen behind me. You can read it in your pew Bible, in the bulletin, on your, in your own Bible. Just please read along as I read aloud. From chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 42 of the book of Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we know that this is your word, that it is completely true and it is given in love. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. So if you'll remember from last week, on the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter did an extraordinary thing. He stood up in front of a crowd of thousands of people from all over the world and started giving a speech about an extraordinary, an extraordinary reality-transforming message. It was about the life and world-changing good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of Jesus of Nazareth. And after he had given this speech, at the end of the day, the Bible says that God the Holy Spirit transformed the lives of 3,000 people who turned to Jesus Christ that day and started following him. Now think about that one sermon, 3,000 new followers. That's a good day, preacher. But that was only the beginning. People kept coming. The Bible says that the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That means that it didn't end on Pentecost. People kept coming because those people who heard about the truth of Jesus became witnesses themselves. And these new disciples became disciple makers. And it wasn't just what they heard. It wasn't just what they had heard the followers of Jesus Christ say. It was because of what they saw. When people saw how Jesus changed the lives of those who believed, it got their attention. Witness is not just about what we say, it's about what people see. And the passage that we've read today is about what the people saw. So what did they see and what got their attention and drew them in? Well, what they saw was community, fellowship. Think back, the night before Jesus was crucified, 
Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus was saying that people will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. And they will learn a lot about Christ or what they think they know about Christ from what they see of the way we treat each other. And so this passage is about the witness of kingdom community. The Bible's word for kingdom community, for bringing people together, is koinonia. Everybody say that with me. Koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word that means bringing people together. Now, I believe that this sense of koinonia, this sense of community, the fellowship of the church, the personal relationships and connections that we have with one another, that's the X factor. That's the it that marks the difference between good churches and great churches. When people say that a church has got it, has, that a church has got it, I believe that part of that it is the energy and the power that comes from koinonia. The book of Acts says that people saw the first Christians getting together regularly to do four things, excuse me, five things, five things. First, they would get together to learn, to study God's word and listen to the teaching of the people who had known and walked with Jesus and to whom Christ had opened the scriptures and revealed God's truth. So they came together to learn. Second, they would get together just to be together, to build relationships and encourage one another. They learned to love and care about one another like family. Third, it says that they worshiped together. Acts says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. You see, they would go to the temple every day, just as Jesus did when he was in Jerusalem, to worship God and then go home and gather around the table just as Christ had commanded, breaking bread and taking the cup to remember and celebrate his death and resurrection. Fourth, Acts tells us that they would pray together to remember that God is not just a God of the past and he's not just a God of the future, but that he is our present help in time of need, providing our daily bread, providing deliverance from evil and endurance, and endurance through temptation right now. So they would pray together. And then fifth and finally, they would take care of one another. Old and young, healthy and needy, they would share what they had with each other because this wasn't just about being social. This was so important because it was dangerous to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Back then, there were, there were economic consequences to being a Christian. There was active persecution and there was often violence and brutal physical attacks. I mean, look at what's happening at Christians today in places like Iran and China and Africa. The government was hostile. The culture was hostile. And these people depended on one another. I mean, yes, they would laugh together. 
but they would also cry together. They would suffer together and they would celebrate together. And they would take care of one another when no one else would. Because it was hard. And all of this together made an impression on the people who saw them. What people saw was that the followers of Jesus were changing their routines, changing their lives to reflect a new passion. That this new passion for God and for one another reset their values and their values reset their priorities. They saw that Christianity is not just a new club to join. It's a lived value. Discipleship is about personal behavior and it's about time priority. Growth matters. Relationship matters. How we spend our time matters. The activities that we pursue matter. It's not just about trying to be a better person. Walking in faith, following Jesus Christ, is about changing my life and changing my way, the way I live and the way I love and the way I serve and the way I trust God to be more and more like Jesus. And I want you to see what happens. The Bible makes a point to let us know that when they came together to worship, to support one another, to learn and to pray, big things happened and it got people's attention. People saw that when the people of God got together, people's needs were met. Acts 4, 32 through 34 says that they took care of one another so well that there wasn't a needy person among them. It says that when the people of God got together, people were healed and demons were cast out. People even carried out their sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats so that just as Peter and the others would come by, at least his shadow might fall across them and they might be healed or delivered. When the people of God got together to pray, nature was moved several times in the book of Acts. When the early church got together to pray, God shook the ground. And when the people of God got together, prisoners were set free. In Acts chapter 12, it says that while Peter was in prison, the whole church prayed for him and Peter was miraculously led from prison by an angel. And when the people got together, missionaries were sent all over the world to declare the good news of Jesus Christ, changing people's lives now and forever. Like in Acts chapter 13, when the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for, the work for which I have called them. And the world was changed by the people of God getting together for a prayer meeting and sending people out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. When the church gets together, things happen. And when people saw what was happening in the lives of these Jesus followers, that their lives and the world around them were being changed, it got their attention. Look at verse 43 that we just read. Awe came upon every soul, and in the midst of the daily danger, they were fortified with daily courage. Rather than decaying or fracturing or splitting or falling apart, by koinonia, by fellowship, by coming together, God released more and more power and miraculous works and events were being done by the, the, by the apostles. Look at verse 47. They had favor with all the people. People took notice. 
Their reputation for love and truth and power for compassion and the ability to make a difference in people's lives began to grow and it became contagious. And look at this. Their love for one another led to growth, explosive growth. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There was such an explosion of love and freedom and joy and truth and the power of the Holy Spirit that people were being saved every day and these small house groups were, found, were folding new people in week after week. All these things because the people of God were getting together and people saw it. Now here's a question. What do people see from us? Well, when God's people get together, big things happen. For 176 years, this church has been getting together to pray, to study, to love, to take care of one another, and to worship. We've come together to love Jesus Christ, we've come together to love one another, and we've come together to love this city. And you know what? Lives have been changed. Eternities have been changed. Bodies have been healed. Demons have been cast out. The grieving have been comforted. People have been set free. People have learned to read. Orphans have been united with families. Addicts have been unchained. Marriages have been saved. Friends have been loved through crises. Hospitals and schools have been built. The hungry have been fed. The homeless have been sheltered. The naked have been clothed. When God's people get together, big things happen. What about in our lives? When people look at us, do they see a change? Has Jesus made a difference in my life, a difference that people can see? You see, witness is not just about what we say, it's about what people see. The way you spend your time is a, is a testament to what really matters to you. Do we spend our time growing in our relationship with God and pursuing that growth? Do we spend our time with other people? Do we spend our time pursuing a relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters, with our community? Do we spend time serving others? Do people see us taking God seriously? Worship, Bible study, fellowship, and community with other Christians. When people see us loving one another, it gets their attention. But here's the final test. Here's the breaking point for a lot of people. The question is not just that we love one another, but will we love them? I mean, they might look at our church and say, sure. God loves them, Jesus loves them, but does he love me? Does he love the people I love? I mean, sure, they, they care for one another. They hang out all the time with one another. Sure, they have their communities and their groups and all that. They care for one another, but will they care for me and the people that I care about? As people, we all have a deep need for belonging. Will they care about me and the people I care about? Jesus said that they will know that you are Christians by our love for one another. 
But he also said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What people want to know is, will they ever love me as one of their own? Will they ever love me as one of his own? Will charity ever become fellowship? Will agape become koinonia? Will I ever be one of them or will I always be on the outside looking in? Those questions matter deeply to the people that God wants us to reach. You know, four years ago, we took our first child, our daughter, to college freshman orientation. And one of the presentations given by the dean of freshmen told those freshman students and my daughter something that moved me and moved every other parent to tears. Okay, at least moved me to tears. Here's what she said. She said, when things get hard... And suddenly you realize that you are a long way from home and you're not in high school anymore and you start to doubt whether you should be here at all. Remember these three things. You belong here. You're not here by mistake. It's going to be hard. No one said it's going to be easy. You're not going to have, excuse me, you are going to have to stay connected. You're going to have to work hard and you have to do your part and you're going to have to ask for help. And finally, she said, and remember this, we are on your team, and we want you to succeed. And if you're here this morning, wondering if you're in the right place, I want to bless you with these same words. You belong here. God did not bring you here by accident this morning. You need him, and we need you. You have to do your part. You have to get involved with relationships. Relationships require community. Community requires an investment of time and love and trust and patience. If you want to have friends, you have to be a friend. And you have to ask for help. And we are on your team. We don't want you to fail. We want you to grow because we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, a position for you on his team, and a place for you at his table. Now, people may come for the word that they hear, but they're going to stay because of what they see and because of what they feel. Do they feel the love of Christ here with us and radiating out from us? Today, we come together around the Lord's table to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ has come to prove his love for us. He did it through his own body and blood, which we remember through the physical presence of this bread and this cup. 
And he did it to remind us that as we gather as his people, we are called together to love one another as he loved us. This is how people will know that we are Christians, by our love for one another. Do people see that love for one another in us, and do they ever feel like they will ever be a part of it? Do they feel that one day they too will be a part of this gathered family around the table? We need to strive to remind them and remind ourselves that fellowship is a witness. And that's why our Lord and Savior did not just preach another sermon on the night before he was crucified. That's why he brought his disciples together around the table and said, this is important. Because when you come together, you remember my real love for you. When you take this bread, which is real, and you take this cup, which is real, you remember that you have a real God who really loves you, who really gave his life so that you would know of his truth and his promises. When we gather around this table, we're not just gathered with one another. We are lifted into the presence of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. 